Yeah, this day and age, we all want to be politically correct. We don't want to offend anyone, but yeah. it often means that you meet people and you go, that's a different circumstances. Oh, I can't ask that. Well, you can right yeah. now on 131060 with Do You Mind If I Ask? Yeah. S- sometimes you're going to be at a party and you're going to meet someone with only one hand <laughs> and you're going to not say anything about half an hour. And yeah. then you go, look, do you mind if I ask? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is it. And we're going to kick it off. And then they say, yes, my name's Left. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to kick it off with Danny, who we work with. Morning. Good morning, guys. Now, Danny, you have both your hands. I certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, time to end the segment. But what would you say, what would say would be, um, I guess, people would like to ask you a question about? Explain your situation. So I'm in a same-sex relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been together for seven years, and we have a baby together. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people want to know how that baby came to be. Came mm-hmm. about, yeah. Mm. And are you guys married? Do you get married uh, Well, um, you can't get married in this country. No, I know that. I know that. But overseas, did you well, go? Well, she's English, so we got civil unioned in the British consulate, wow. and then it became legal to be married in the UK, but we haven't yet done mm. the actual official marriage. I think we want to wait till we actually do it in Australia yeah. and make yeah. it official in both countries. Yeah. Mm. Can you Absolutely. tell when you meet new people mm-hmm. and they see you with a baby and they? I, I'm assuming they ask about dad and then you say, no, I have a wife. Can, yes. you, can you see on their face they want to ask, but they hold it back? No, I think mostly people, when they ask about your husband or the dad, and then you say you've got a partner, they just feel really embarrassed uh. that they've... And then they, they sort of backtrack and try to make sure it's all cool. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, it's all Should good. we be embarrassed, though? Like, no, are you? Because God, I no. find sometimes when you ask a question, you're like, oh, God, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to presume that someone's gay and then they're not. Do you know? So it's always, like, I guess, treading on eggshells. Yeah, and I think you're going to take a risk with any of these topics. Some people do get quite defensive yeah. about it, and I mm. think it depends on how other people have treated them in the past. Yeah, so sure. if they've had negative experiences about their lifestyle, they're going to already be a bit defensive. Yeah. So, mm. But we don't have that in our case for the most so part. So you're okay with people calling up and asking you like nitty-gritty questions oh a lot yeah of people, a lot of people may have no idea how the mechanics of the whole thing work well it is breakfast radio how much detail do we want to go into <laughs> we can give them some sites to google yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can use euphemisms maddie's totally. really good little- yeah thirteen ten sixty. any question that you want to ask about danny who is in a same-sex uh, relationship and you have a beautiful little daughter yeah, she's, well she's pretty snotty day. at the moment yeah, no, she's gorgeous. <laughs> so danny has put her hand up for this so honestly there's nothing that will shock you. Mm. Nothing that will turn you away. Not at all. No, because right? I asked all the questions at the R&B party, didn't I? Really? Yeah. yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were having a yeah. full DNA. Yeah, you were. I can't remember them all, so we'll go back through them. All right, Jessica from Fernvale, you're the first cab off the rank. What do you want to ask uh, Danny? Hi, do you mind if I ask, did you decide to breastfeed and did both of you guys breastfeed? And how did you decide who was going to carry the baby? And next time around, will you swap? Will the other person carry or will the same person carry? Wow, that's a lot of questions Three there, questions. Jessica. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> let's, do, let's go with the first one. Did you breastfeed or did you both breastfeed? Yes, I breast. I carried the baby. I carried mm-hmm. Cleo and I breastfed until seven months. Um, and we mm-hmm. did contemplate the idea of seeing if we could both breastfeed because you, you can take, take drugs. Yeah, and, you can yeah, take drugs yeah. and whatnot in yeah. order to do yeah. it. And I have heard of people doing it. But no, I just, um, I just did it myself and 
then expressed so that Iggy could also feed her by yeah. a, by a bottle fairly mm. early on so that we could both develop that relationship with Cleo. Right. And how did you yeah, decide but- that you were going to carry? Uh, well, Iggy, who's my partner, she's never she's never been particularly maternal in that way. Uh-huh. So it was very clear for us. And I've been given childbearing hips, so I feel like it would be a shame <laughs> to waste those. <laughs> All right, Michelle, you're on with Danny. Ask away. Uh, hi, Danny. I'm so glad that you're on this morning. Oh, thanks. Um, I've I've got friends who are in the in the same sort of situation. They were married about five years ago. Oh, probably a bit, probably a bit less. A couple of years ago, but they've been together about seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after they were married, obviously they're in a same sex relationship. Um, one was pregnant all of a sudden. Right. So what I'm wondering, and straight away I think everyone had the same question, where did this baby come, come from? from? How did it yeah. come to be? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering, I've got two questions. Would it offend them if I ask, because it's killing me, it's been 18 months and I can't bring myself to ask them. Oh, yeah. And secondly, where did your baby come from since you're open about talking about it? Yep. Well, I would say... And maybe that's the same answer. If you're in a same-sex relationship and you have a baby, I think you have to assume that people are going to have questions. (laughs) So I think you should be feel feel free to completely ask them. Um, They're not going to feel bad about it as far as, you know, as far as I would think because it's you're naturally curious. Um, In our case... um, I, we had a sperm donor, a known sperm donor. It was very important to us to have a known sperm donor. Because you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that laugh that was you, you wished that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we ended up using uh, the sperm of my wife's ex-boyfriend, mm-hmm. okay. which makes it a little bit more complicated. Yep. But um, we always thought that, you, particularly when you go through your teens, you, um, you want to know where you come from. You want to oh, understand yeah. your history. You want to understand your past. And if you've got an unknown donor who's come from America I feel like you're always going to feel like a part of you is missing whereas Mm. if you know where you've come from we can go you know Uncle Diaz helped us make you and yeah. here's information about him you can Skype him you can do all of that yeah, right. but he lives in the UK so he doesn't bother us with day to day issues with so being a parent he's close perfect. enough to you but far Not away distance <laughs> I've got it okay Michael Michael in Springfield morning Michael what's your question good morning guys how are we good hey, yeah, I'm, also, I'm in a same sex relationship and you know i've been with my partner for five years now and we've been looking at you know having a kid of our own but you know with us it's a lot hard yes definitely you know know, you know we're trying to find a surrogate and you know in australia surrogacy is illegal and the only way you can do it is go through ivf and systems like that Mm. and you know it's we went to you know queensland fertility you know and all them kind of places and you know they're saying we need 50 60 grand and you know i just you know, oh, it's we, a hunt, Michael. I feel for you. It, with two women, it's pretty it's easy. I mean, you've got it costs them. money. It probably costs us about twenty grand to have yeah. Cleo. Because with surrogacy, you can't pay for it in Australia. No. Is that right? No, you someone can, can offer to do it. Yes, as far as I'm mm. aware, if you had a friend who was prepared to do that, and it's a big. And I've oh, even thought us. about that. I've got some gay friends who will potentially want a child, and I've thought, would I offer up my my womb? But my downstairs department hasn't recovered from last time, so I'm probably <laughs> not going to go there again. <laughs> um, but yes, I know that you can. I do you know a couple who've gone to various parts of uh, other countries and it's yeah. legal there to do it so yeah. i think you kind of have to look at overseas for the most part unless you've got a mate who want to carry who wants to carry yeah, for you it's hard, isn't it? yeah well uh we have danny on she's in a same-sex relationship uh with a one-year-old child and she doesn't mind if you ask anything jd what's your question hi there uh, do you mind if i ask do you tend to have the problem where 
guys will turn around and say, you know, offer to be in a relationship with you if you changed your mind. <laughs> if I turned? <laughs> yeah, I get it a lot, personally. Mm. Yeah. Is it, it's pretty frustrating, do you find? Yeah, well, I'm not feminine at all. I'm very butch, and I've been happy with my partner for eight and a half years, and I'm very, very out there and open with that. Mm. Like, it's not something I hide at all. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my old workplaces and stuff, guys will come up to me and go, oh, you know, if you ever change your mind, I'm here. And I'm like, mm. if a guy, if a gay guy turned around to, to a straight guy and said, oh, if you ever don't want <laughs> yeah. to be anymore, I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good point. Yeah. Well, I think you should maybe, in some ways, maybe take it as a compliment. But in other ways, be like, well, as you pointed out, you would never really say that to anybody else yeah. in your workplace. If they, yeah. at least they left their yeah. partner. It's kind of like, even if I did change my mind, you're probably not my wouldn't type. Wouldn't pick you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You. Did you say, you're the reason. And I'm here at the yeah. moment. <laughs> Chris is in Good Morning, Chris. We're uh, Good morning, playing around. Do you, do you mind if I ask? Danny's here. Go for it. All right, Danny. Do you mind if I ask? And it's a simple one. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you planning on having your daughter call you and your partner? Is it going to be mum and mum or is it going to be uh, mum and another identifying title? I'm going to be mama and my partner's going to be mummy. Uh, we did play around with the idea, um, someone suggested that you could let the child mm. pick their own name for you. Mm. Yeah. But I read on a forum um, that they a couple that let their child pick their name, they ended up with um, mama big nose and mama oh. red shoes. <laughs> so yeah. so yeah. I don't really want to risk that. Yeah, Brilliant. yeah, absolutely. But yeah. at the moment she just says the name of our cat and that's pretty much the extent <laughs> of what she says. Brilliant. All right, last question from you, Sue. Go for it. Hi, Danny. Um, I've got quite a few lesbian friends um, yep. and a niece as well. Um, and what I don't understand, and my son brought this up to her herself, is why do women who like women want to dress like men? Yeah, right. Okay, well... You know I, what I mean? I, like, not everybody. I guess not everybody's like that. But some women are so butch, you can't tell they're a woman, yet they want to be with women. Yes, well, I think um, I can't really speak on this topic because I wouldn't consider myself a lesbian. I've been with men as well. Um, but I feel like people fall on a spectrum, and I think a lot of women who do kind of feel, who are a lesbian, feel quite masculine in their identity, which is why they would be wearing masculine clothes. But a lot of lesbians also feel very feminine in their yeah. identity. So it's like any heterosexual people. You're not going to have chicks who are dressed the same and blokes who are dressed the same. Mm. It just depends on your own personal preference. But you're right, like, there is obviously a larger number of lesbian women who love your comfy shoes and your shorts and your very short hair and, you know, mm. the stereotypical stuff. The comfortable clothes the comfortable is what you're saying? Because exactly. that's just sounding jealousy well, for me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> who can be bothered, really? <laughs> if you've seen my shoes that I'm wearing today, I'm a massive dork burger. Well, I, I love this. Thank you so much, Danny, for coming in and giving us um, your honesty this morning. Oh, it was an absolute pleasure. I, and I want, I, I guess I want that to be the message, is the more you understand a topic, the less you yeah. fear it. Yes. And I don't think you should ever feel worried to ask people questions about this kind of thing if they're not comfortable telling you they will they can actually say well about that though if you've got i guess a circumstance where you feel like a lot of people want to ask you questions but they don't then you can always call us 13 10 60 you can be a part of our next segment it's Steph, abby and matt with osha hit 105 forgive me for being so inquisitive do you mind do you mind do you mind if i ask you a personal question Love this. It's when you meet someone, they're a little different to you, um, whether it's something in their life, something they do for work, and you want to ask them so many questions, but you might be a little bit embarrassed because you're not sure how they'll react. And I reckon a lot of people, for our next guest, will not want to ask them for legal reasons. You know what I mean? It's a little bit like... 
hazy, vague, do you know what I mean at the moment? Hazy, hey, hazy. is an hazy, yeah. is an excellent hazy word to describe it. Excellent. Now we yeah. are joined in the studio by your name. Josh. I just didn't know if we wanted to do an anonymous name, so that's why I was yes. like, oh, I no, should have no. asked before. <laughs> um, now, anyone can call up 131060 if they have a question for you. And what do you do? Um, I am a cannabis industry consultant, so I've got a, a very interesting job. Mm-hmm. Um, working with uh, various companies, is predominantly in the United States at the moment. Um, Australia's yeah. just getting moving with, with the cannabis industry. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we'll be working with growers in um, basically enabling them to get the most productivity out of their, their setup. I, I'm attached to a large fertiliser company, which is one of the one of the major suppliers to the cannabis industry in um, in the United States. And this is just today. I think they're trying to, to get it through Parliament quicker. Uh, well, yesterday yeah. they actually passed the um, uh, the the reinstatement of Category okay. A, which which is a really important facet of our, our um, access law in mm-hmm. Australia. Uh, it allows to, uh, people that are terminally ill or that um, basically cannot get the help from any other treatment possible to be able to access it immediately. Wow. Um, previously, um, the government had actually abolished the Category A and uh, there was there was a, a number of people fighting in Parliament and um, it was declined and yeah. it went back for a resitting, which, which uh, they'd Paul seen. Paul Hanson and the Greens are pushing it through, That's right. They, they supported yeah. it this time around. Would. Last time they didn't, so they've redeemed yeah. themselves a fraction. Yeah, I find right. it fascinating because my grandfather passed away through cancer and I know that he used it when he was young, but this is like back in the 70s, do you know what I mean? It was yeah. always illegal. That's right. And my, my nana had to smuggle it in. So um, it was used in in ancient uh, ancient medicine. It was used in the archaic um, mm. herbal medicine of Australian pharmacology uh, for up until about um, uh, not not very long ago. It was it was only probably about thirty forty years ago right. that um, it was somewhat abolished mm. from the yeah. pharmacology of Australian physicians. It was in every um, outback. Uh, a medicine cabinet where wow. you'd find a tincture right. or something in the cupboard with yeah. a label and one of the I ingredients probably would be stillies to be honest it's more commonly found in a wooden box probably tucked in a dresser yeah right so, wouldn't know yeah <clears throat> wouldn't know well this is it isn't it i mean there's so many different <laughs> facets to it because you've got i guess a lot of um people that might abuse it as a substance it, yeah yeah there's yeah. always that conversation as well about legalizing it for personal use and i heard some people are for that yeah Mm. and i heard that it was because you couldn't charge tax on it so the Mm. government didn't want to and there's all those conspiracy theories for it well yeah it's going to probably come full circle where they'll realize that there's there's quite actual minimal profit um as an industry in in on the medical side of things Mm. Um, it has to be prescribed it has to be then dispensed by a pharmacy and then therefore it has to be a a, a, a form of um, controlled medicine, so they have to learn and want to be able to work with this herbal medicine, which is very different to every other every other farm. Well, well I guess pill that mm. they're yeah. used to prescribing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the recreational model may suit that in some regard, that it sort of takes the load off um, some of the everyday prescriptions that are going to be going out for the back pain, for the, Alrighty, the anxiety. Well, here yeah. we go. This is what we do. Thirteen ten sixty. Josh is willing to take any question. Nothing is off limits. He's very educated in this area. And, of course, you may have some questions about his character being the industry that you're in. You're happy to take those as well? Far away, folks. First up, we have Willie from Waterford. What's your question for Josh? Hey, Willie. I just want to ask you, is there different kinds of strands or strengths, or is it just a myth? 
Uh, yes, mate. Um, the difference between probably your street cannabis and medical cannabis is uh, how pure the actual product is itself. So w what's what's um, hanging around in the cannabis, whether it be pesticides, heavy metals, right. these sorts of things would deem uh, medical cannabis medical and street pot, street pot is, is the cleanliness of the product. Um, right. The strains are different also. So one can make you sleepy, one can make you uplifted oh. and all those sorts of different sides of things are, are definitely characteristics of the plant. So Pineapple yeah, Express right. didn't lie to you. Willie is what he's saying. Oh, wow. There you go. Okay, we've got Kayla from Red Bank Plains. What's hey, your Kayla. question for Josh? May I ask um, how long it stays in your system? As because um, we are, I know for um, the police are doing like um, drug testing, like the roadside. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a really yeah. really good question. Um, medical or not, um, we don't have exemptions from from that. So even if oh. you do have a script and you're being prescribed oh. cannabis medicine, um, yeah. that's still mm -hmm. going to stay in your system for up to around thirty days, depending wow. on depending on the person's okay. ability to be able yeah. to to dissipate it. And there's mm. certain jobs that they would be automatic fired from if you're working. You've yeah, got it. Okay. So you yep. you would have the option of coming to the table with your employer and saying, look, this is a legal medication I'm using, mm. and also in court if you were to be pulled up for driving with it in your system, that would be your, your defence. I would imagine that they would have to look at that quite seriously. Mm. Right. Wow. But it's a weird one though, isn't it? Because you still shouldn't be driving under the influence, no. but it's, it's a medication. But if it's for medical, then you won't be able to. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Interesting. And just like any drug, within certain limits. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 131060, we have Josh in who is part of, uh, he's a consultant for medical marijuana and growing it, so he's completely legal. Mm. Any question you want to ask, go for it. We've got Anonymous on the line. What's your question for Josh? Hey Josh, good morning guys. Hey. Uh, I'd like to ask, okay, I've heard on the grapevine that marijuana decreases the potential of having kids. I've smoked it for 13 years. I've got two kids. Right. <laughs> Are they both girls? Yes. See, I, I have, I'm so, I don't have any of my friends that ever has been a big smoker have any boys. Yeah, I've got They've two girls, got girls as well, and yeah, uh, yeah mm. a couple of my mates from high school have all got girls as well. So we're we're all up to the same mischief. Yeah. <laughs> do you know? Do you, do you know about this though? Is it? Yeah. Look, it, it, as far as I'm aware, um, breast milk itself contains portions of the cannabinoids. So the the precious medicine that's actually in cannabis mm. is also found in portions of breast milk. Oh wow. Um. So we're very the human body is actually so in sync with the cannabinoids um, we're not aware of it I would I would hate to think that there's any solid data mm. to actually prove that uh, it affects anyone's ability to conceive kids mm. I think anonymous yeah. your uh, situation answered your question for you you got <laughs> two kids uh, Josh is in uh, Logan Josh meet Josh hey Josh hey mate uh, do you mind if I start by asking uh, what's your opinion on uh the genetically modified cannabis seeds and whatnot, as opposed to the natural or, or organic seeds sure, that sure. are going around. Um, the, the GM products that are out there, they, they use um, some pretty delicate, delicate processes to be able to create those strains. Um, in saying so, it's not identical to the GMO that you would see in, say, corn, where they, where they actually modify the, the, the genetic structure of the plant. They're manipulating the protein structure. So it's, it's a little different, but like anything, um, organic is best, you know, sticking to the heirloom genetics that are closest to what have always been around for, for eons is probably what uh, I'd recommend as being the safest mm. choice. He's Very a pot scientist, isn't he? I know, no, right? I guess it, yeah, Renee yes, from exactly Thornlands. <laughs> Renee, what's your question for Josh? Hi, uh, may I ask what you think the consequences may be for youth if it was legalised for private use? Mm, interesting. Sure. Um, 
uh, that's consequences you said so for instance if it was misused yeah things like that um also sure. for you know purposes of education and how it would affect those in high school do you think there would be any long-term consequences um, yeah, things like that. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's probably the most apt question um, that I was really hoping was going to be asked. Look, the potential for abuse is always there, just like alcohol, just like cheeseburgers. Um, the ideology of someone being able to um, uh, get the most benefit out of, a, uh, out of something that, f- for instance, if it was legalised from an industry point of view, would be education. So things like school, mm. uh, we'd want to see that uh, children are being... Um, uh, understood for for exactly w- what cannabis is, and um, any any form of abuse um, should always be monitored. Uh, so yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely definitely leaves room for abuse. But on the other hand, uh, education is key, and that's what uh, our government and people like myself really work hard on. So really, well, there you go, yeah. uh, Josh. Thank you so much for coming in this morning no and worries. sharing your knowledge. Yeah, and, share. and he did bring us a present, so thank you very much for that. <laughs> it's um, a tin, container, an empty tin. <laughs> yeah, an empty tin. I didn't say what it was. Oh, you guys just said God. Josh brought us Thanks. a present. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> He's just been so informative to every single yeah. person, and then it you just have to do that. I love it. it was an yeah. empty tin. Yeah, thank you. With All right. a storage container. He said we can put nuts in it. Did you not hear that? Yeah, oh, shit. Yes, look, there's cops at the front door. <laughs> no. No. Like we said, Josh Josh does it all legally. This is Josh's mm-hmm. job. You, uh, you're licensed to be doing what you're um, doing? Yeah, I, I'm actually a uh, contract for licensed cultivators in the United States. I've worked with various people that have got interest in gaining license in Australia and uh, yep. giving them procedure plans and basically methods of them being able to produce in Australia. Well, right. Right. No worries. Well, what we will do, because we have a lot of calls we couldn't get to, hit us up on our Facebook page, send it through, and we'll flick them on uh, to Josh. It's Steph, Abby and Matt with Osher. Hit 105. Forgive me for being so inquisitive. Do you mind? Do you mind, Do you mind if I ask you a personal question? I love this segment. So do I, because you meet those people and you go, that's such an interesting situation you were in. And then your eyes sort of glaze over as you start thinking, can I ask that? Should I ask that? Well, this is your opportunity. We've spoken to some pretty interesting people, someone who's in a same-sex relationship and they have a a baby together. Mm -hmm. Yesterday was someone who uh, legally grows cannabis and is a consultant for it. And today we have Claire. Morning, Claire. Morning, team. Now, Claire, what would be a different thing about you? Um, I'm a cult survivor of not just one but two cults. Wow! Wow! Yeah, you've so got this is and this is the thing, right? Mm. And people don't really know about cults unless you've watched 60 Minutes, mm-hmm. and then it's only just what they've researched. Mm. Yeah, um, it's not just what they've researched. The 60 Minutes team actually came to the Doomsday Cult oh. when I was there, and they spent the whole day filming. And then what you guys see on a Sunday night, mm. like eight, ten minutes, whatever the segment in segment is, is highly edited mm. and sensationalised. And you're thinking, right. I would never join a cult. That's ridiculous. How could you be so stupid? Yeah. But you never join a cult. You're always manipulated mm-hmm. into one or born into one. Mm. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's why when they show it. And you're thinking, oh, my God, you know, mm. come on, you must have seen these warning signs. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. You don't. They yeah. never go, hey, welcome to the cult. Come yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Something like that. <laughs> and you have eight children. I have eight children. Is that a result of the cults or you would have... Well, had... it's a result of my very strict Catholic upbringing mm-hmm. because there's obviously no contraception. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. yeah. And that was... That was the done thing. Right. right. Mm. So, I'd say first wow. first cab off my rank would be that the doomsday cult needs to change its name because that's not one I would, you know, like the, the fluffy unicorn cult, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds like Is that like the one a, that believes that the, the end is coming? Yeah. Well, it's actually, for it. no, well, that, well, it's, 
It's actually one of Australia's largest doomsday cults, but mm. it wasn't called the doomsday cult. It right. was actually called, um, well, it's head, it was headed up by the Little Pebble. Right, okay. okay. Yeah, there's, mm. there's a cuter name for you. There you go. The Little, 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 little oh, Pebble. Oh, yeah. Just well, Google that and you'll how would find they, Before oh. we get into the questions, so how would they feel about you talking about it on the air? Um, well, there's not a whole lot they can do about it, is it? Now That's I'm already here. Yeah. Yeah. And so they they still exist. This cult, they're still in operation. Yes. See, this is why I want to speak speak out because mm. they are still in operation. The actual cult leader was a pedophile. He spent time in jail. He's mm. now in Sydney, living in Sydney, and um, the cult is still going. It's in um, Nara on the south coast of New South Wales. Not only that. That it has actually factions all around the world, right? Okay, and he's still having he's still having money and donations mm. coming in. Wow! Right. And so see, this is it. what people don't understand. They think that he went to jail or went underground. No, it's right. still, still happening. Okay. Well, thirteen ten sixty. Any questions you have for Claire, who is a cult survivor times two? Two. <laughs> so any question? No questions off limits. No, is it? go for it. First one is Sally from the Lockyer Valley. Sally, what's your question for Claire? Hey, I was just wondering, do you miss anything about being in the cult? Hell no. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Even people that you became friends with during that time? No, because when you're in a cult situation, you will find that you can't really trust anybody. Yeah, right. And you don't know who's sneaking off to tell different favourites or the leader about different things that you may have done in good faith, Mm. but other people see it very differently and you think, Oh my God! Mm. I'm in trouble for I don't know what yet. That's Did like you get punished? Um, no. Well, it depended. You know, we we needed to say more prayers or do more sacrifices, um, things like that. Um, you could be cut out of certain circles or cliques, but I mean, for me personally, that didn't worry me because I never wanted to move there in the first place. Yeah, right, okay. Right, okay. Right. When, you, when you say sacrifices, you mean like give up things? Yeah, or? give up things. You know, like <laughs> thanks for yes, I, actually, food. Yeah. Right. Food, um, you know, like even our clothing, wow. um, going out, like, and we were encouraged to actually find things to to make sacrifices about, you know, right. like, you know, not having any butter on your bread or having fasting. Right. Mm. Okay. Okay. Mm. Uh, Alex in um, Burpengary East, uh, what's your question for Claire? Hey, um, do you mind if I ask, um, is it like when you see on TV when there's like one guy and ten wives? And, and he can do as he pleases, sort of thing. Um, every there's over three thousand different cults in Australia, and um, a lot of them are not even connected with each other. So, um, like in the cult, the the cult that I was in, the second one, yeah. um, he he had girls and women that he slept with, but. Um, yeah. wasn't actually married to. Mm. But um, there are different cults where you know they have different supposed rules and regulations that they make up and then they can have... But you went in there with your husband and all your kids are fathered by him. Yes, yes, absolutely, yes. Mm. Louise is in Gatton uh, with Claire on. She is a survivor of two cults. What's your question for her? Hey, Claire, do you mind if I ask if there is one lesson that you would have learnt from being in a cult, what would that be? Oh, there's so many lessons. Um, Honestly, I think the one thing is that it's taught me to be... To ask more questions, not to be afraid of asking questions um, of people and um, like not worrying about what other people think of you because Mm -hmm. if you really want to break away from something like that, it it can be very hard. And this is why I speak out because a lot of people in a cult, especially women and girls, they find it hard to break through the fear and the mental and emotional boundaries 
Mm. Um, for yeah. me, I reached a point where it was just like I couldn't take any more and I mentally, I di- I've done three TEDx talks and in my first one I spoke about how I mentally disassociated myself because I couldn't physically move. Mm. Right. Um, so I mentally disassociated myself and um, I just did my own thing. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, we got Jasmine on from Bounds Plains. Morning, Jasmine. Good morning. Hi, Claire. I was just wondering, um, was there any differences between the two cults or were they very similar? Um, there were some similarities in that they were both based on Catholicism, um, but um, there was still, in both of them, you don't realise it until years later that there's a lot of brainwashing mm. and manipulation mm. yeah. um, that goes on for years and sometimes you don't even realise. Like, for instance, you know, we've just had Easter and Easter Sunday used to be um, a massive celebration because, you know, Jesus rose from the dead and overcame sin for us all and opened up heaven. But now it's like I'm questioning those beliefs and it's, it's almost 11 years since I left the second cult. And then this past Easter Sunday I was like, what does Easter what really? Does what does yeah. Easter? How many times did you have to pray? Pray a day? Um, we had to pray at least three times a day. Three times a day. In the mm. Yeah, yeah right. like at least yeah. in public, and then there was grace before and after meals. Yeah. And you know, yeah, right. All right. Yeah. All right. Thirteen ten sixty. Any question for Claire, the cult survivor? Give us a buzz now. Sasha's in Mango Hill. What's your question for Claire? Oh, hi there. Um, do you mind if I ask? Uh, how did you plan your escape? Um, well, it kind of happened without a lot of planning per se, I listened to my gut and about six months before I even knew that I was going to be moving, I had this gut feeling that I need to purge a lot of crap that we had. Mm. So I started doing yeah. that. Um, at the same time, I opened, I braved the waters and opened up my very first bank account by myself. I was so, so scared. Because you mm. had to move in because your husband wanted to and you didn't have any money. Is that yeah, what? yeah, I had no yeah. money. Okay. So um, then I went into Centrelink and told them that I'd changed my bank details and got them to put the payments into my bank account. Then I lied to my husband wow. and told him that I was forced to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that six months, I saved money so that and then... Um, in the, in the interim, I had been asking a lot of questions, and then by the time the eviction came about, I'd actually had enough money to go be able to go, to go and get yeah. a bond. Wow, that was lucky. God. Yeah. You sound like anyone that's going through a situation, like oh. even of any sort of, yeah. I don't know, domestic they, violence situation to be able yeah, to get out. Right. Yeah. Did they come after you? No. Right? No. Yeah. No. So it's not like a. See, I imagine a cult is a prison. You're not allowed to leave. Well, there's a lot of different the cults. Area. They have to ask so, permission to go into town. Well, see, it's. That's the thing. See, I can openly speak about it because, honestly, I don't care. Mm. Um, they can say a lot of stuff, um, but they won't come after me. And right. even if they do, hello, I don't care. Mm. Yeah. Um, but there's, not everybody is in that same situation. So mm. anybody who wants to speak out about a cult, you need to really think about it. You what know? you stand to lose from because, it? Well, because I've been contacted by various women from around the world who have been in cults mm. and different ones. And, um, you know, like one girl that contacted me, she's speaking out, mm. but she can't mention the cult because um, somebody else has already spoken out about them and they're coming after him. Yeah, right. So right. It, it, it's an individual situation. Mm. Well, Claire, we really appreciate you coming in and being open and honest. Um, Thank you. If you don't mind sticking around for another five minutes, people sure. will shoot through some um, questions on our Facebook page, Stav, Abby, Excellent. Matt with Osher. <laughs> cool. We'll answer them off the air. It's Stav, Abby and Matt with Osher. Hit 105. Forgive me for being so inquisitive. Do you mind? Do you mind? Do you mind if I ask you a personal question? You know, you meet someone who's a little different to you. 
Um, and you want to ask a lot of questions, but with political correctness today, mm. um, sometimes you can't because it's never your intention, it's the words. I know, you don't want to upset people. You're like, oh, have I gone too far? And you can't go back once the words are out. No, but so- we've been doing this all week and asking a lot of very interesting questions to a lot of very interesting people. Same-sex couple that had a baby. A uh, lady had survived two cults. It was mm-hmm. very interesting. But today... Abby Jane Coleman is stepping up to the plate. So, first off, thank you for doing that. Thank you for having me. Now I feel really nervous. Don't be nervous. No. Okay. This this is something we, I had spoken to you about. Both of us have spoken to you about yeah. in the past. But mm. I didn't realise the severity. Um, I've mentioned on the show that I had um, an eating disorder, but I guess I've just never really answered questions for I've gone into um, the severity of it. Because mm, it was quite a while. It was, a, well, it was one third of my life. Mm. Um, yeah. Don't give away your age as well. (laughs) 30. Uh, Yeah, so I uh, I probably, I don't know if I ever had a normal attitude around food. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a household where my parents were quite conscious of physical um, attributes and they were very, um, I guess, obsessed with thinness as well. They both run marathons. I realise now it was probably to do with them that they put upon us. Um, And then I did ballet as well, which Mm -hmm. I guess... Um, reinforce that and then when I was 15 I was pretty hyperactive at school school um, suggested I had to go and see someone and they put me on dexamphetamines um, for ADD okay so that's what that's what they give you when you yeah yeah so giving a girl who does ballet and is concerned about how she looks because um, that those, would make you lose a lot of weight? Which just it? made me not want to eat. So it was just okay. perfect for, for, for what I wanted, which was just being obsessed about losing weight. Like, mm. I mean, obsessed. Every sort of waiting moment would be surround that. Like, the first thing you do in the morning would wake up. Then I'd go to the bar, like, wait myself, then go to the bathroom and then come back and wait myself. Mm. And okay. your day was set by how much you weighed. And then it progressively got worse. Um, and I went through stages of being anorexic and bulimic. So. But bulimic um, is when you eat, vomit, or you food up. Yeah, like you binge and you purge or whatever. So mm. I just couldn't stand the idea of um, keeping in calories. Mm. So right. I used to do that and abuse laxatives and drugs and mm. everything to keep my um, my weight down. And it was quite weird because I still, you still live life. It's just like you're living like a secret. Mm. A secret. I would, so. I would never have thought like the way that you are today, mm. um, and how happy you seem. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like you didn't. It's like a whole other person. Like you would never know. But I think a lot of people wouldn't have known at that time as well. I remember I was taken off Black Thunders um, because I used to lose my voice, um, and that was just through throwing up so much. Wow. So I used to go to shifts and I couldn't talk. Um, right. Yeah. So that was yeah. It sort of damages your voice, and my teeth were yeah. Your teeth rot, don't they? Yeah. yeah. So I went away to um, an eating disorder clinic for some time and stayed there, um, and then sort of went in and out of therapy. Right. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, very brave of you, by the way, mm. to put this out there. I don't know if anyone has any questions. They will. They will. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's people who feel in the same situation. Yeah. Maybe who have children, daughters and sons, who they're thinking, is this something they're going down? No question is off limits here. No. We've got Danielle. What's your question? Abby, do you mind if I ask you? Yes. I've been through the same thing. Do you still get this, that little voice in your head that says you're not good enough? Oh, my God, like all the time. And I have to be very like careful that I don't slip back into it. But if I feel like yep. I'm doing that, I'll consciously go, like even now, like I've put on weight and I start going, oh, my God, and I start getting that obsessive nature back. But I start thinking eat for health and put health first for more than anything physical. Like, you know, I'll kind yeah. of go, oh, my skin's broken out. Maybe I have been drinking too much. So if you focus more on health than what you look like, I think that I need to constantly remind myself of that. 
Yep, in exactly the same position. I'm yeah. eating for health now, not for weight loss. Yeah, yeah. But every morning I still get up and I still weigh myself. Yeah, we'll throw those out. They're nasty, aren't they? to stop, yeah. Yeah, Because yeah. as soon as you don't lose weight, that little voice comes in and goes, you're not good enough. Yeah, and mm. you know what? From someone who's taken laxatives to not drunk for two days just so that I could weigh less, mm. the scales are bollocks and you should definitely throw them out. I agree. Scales lie all the time. <laughs> Claire in Woodridge, what's your question? Hey, Abby. Um, I was just wondering if having um, an eating disorder stops you from getting a period. Um, I got it when I was younger, when I was 14, and then it stopped when I was 18, and I didn't get it back till I was 24, which is one of the reasons why I... Um yeah, I started seriously. I got really worried that we wouldn't be able to have kids because of it. And I took so many pregnancy tests because I just never <laughs> got my period. Um, and when I told my mum that, she was pretty devastated because it does. When you go under a mm. certain weight, mm. your body just shuts down. It's like a perfect right. indication that you're not healthy enough. And you, you do, you get extra hair on your arms. When I got down to 42 kilos, like you get you extra get hair. 42 kilos. Yeah, and at my heavy, heaviest, I was 75. <laughs> yeah, I know. Look at that wardrobe. Yeah, <laughs> that's you were, insane. You were saying off air too with your weight mm. when you went into um, the, is it called a rehab? Um, with the eating disorder clinic, yeah, yeah. it was that part of it. It was section at the hospital when I was in South Australia and also in um, Sydney. But I went in there and it was, you know, girls with eating disorders are the most competitive and judgmental girls with each other. And I remember going in there and seeing the scales, and I was just, I was in tears that I was there, and I was in tears because I didn't feel like I should have deserved because the girl next to me was five kilos lighter, and that's that was my thinking. I was mm. like, I've failed. I'm so embarrassed that I failed because the girl next to me. So you were jealous of the girl who was yeah. smaller yeah. than you. And I was so judged. That's why I don't judge people now because I used to be like that and I just go, it just doesn't serve you. Now I, now if I see anyone overweight or underweight, I just go, I wonder what their story is. Like yeah. I don't ever think, oh, they're, they're, look at them, they're lazy. I just go, wow, um, they must have a different story. Yeah. Uh, um, Michelle's in Marumba Downs. Michelle, what's your question for Abby? My question is, at what point did you decide... Like, when was the mind shift? Because I have a 13-year-old daughter. Yeah. So we are literally on our way to Green Slopes now. Oh, okay. And yeah. um, we've been battling this since. Um, she's been, she cut at 7, bulimic at 11. Yeah. And anorexia yeah. and bulimia at 13. Oh, Michelle, I'm so sorry to hear that. I would say um, that an eating disorder is a learned behaviour and whatever she's learned, she can unlearn it. Um, And I guess it is like any mental illness that it does take time. I would say to anyone going through it, if you think you can get over it yourself, you 100% can't. So I think getting help is great. And the first thing is admitting it because it's an eating disorder is such a private mental illness because you don't want to share it with anyone because you don't want it to stop. So I think for for you being able to, I guess, share it with her because she is a little bit younger as well, um, going to get help and just be patient. Yeah, it's just taking such a oh, time, and, and she just doesn't, you know, doesn't want to follow the rules. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, last the last um, setback, she was like physically shaking in a chair because oh, she just she just didn't stop slowing up all day. Yeah, yeah. and it's and, and it's her a, sugar levels were just yeah. so low, and it's like. We're sitting up to like 11.30 at night just making sure she's... She, we gave her a choice. She either ate at home or she was in hospital eating. Yeah, and it's hard, isn't it? Like that panic once you have a full meal is, is just horrifying for wow. someone in that situation. You do get a, you do actually get addicted, they say, to the purging reaction as well because all of a sudden you know if you've had a big night and you throw up the next day, you feel better. Mm. You know, so you get... Apparently you get addicted okay. to that in your blood sugar level. But, yeah, she sounds like she's going to be getting the right help. Do you mind if I ask? Yeah. When you were that tiny 
Mm-hmm. Um, how did men react to you? Um, not badly. I used to find that when I was the healthiest, when I'd stopped taking drugs, laxatives, um, uh, running for an hour a day, I had to run for an hour a day, every day, mm. no excuses. Um, when I wasn't doing that, I put on weight and I looked bloated and I was the healthiest. And that's when people used to comment. Mm. That's when people used to go, oh, I put on a bit of weight or you're not looking healthy. Or, Are you okay? Or that's when I used to get it. So right. all of a sudden I'd start going back to it. Okay. So that, that, that was the point Rather than people would never comment when you were losing weight, it was when you're putting the weight on. Mm. <laughs> That's a hideous, mm. really, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you to everyone who called, and thank you to you, Abby, yeah. for talking about it. Pleasure. Do you know one thing I'd just like to say to all the mums out there is I think if you've got daughter as well, or even sons, just never, ever let them hear you say you feel fat, ever. Like, I just think it's so detrimental. You might be feeling like that and you might look in the mirror, but don't let them go, oh, I feel fat in this or I don't look good. If you're putting down yourself, it's, it's teaching them entirely the wrong message. All right. Mm. Well, if you've got any other questions, uh, we've run out of time, but you can send them through Stav, Abby and Matt. Our Facebook page, uh, we'll get them there. It's Stav, Abby and Matt with Osha. Hit 105. Forgive me for being so inquisitive. Do you mind? Do you mind, Do you mind if I ask you a personal question? Now, this is where we get people into the studio and we break down that awkwardness where you might want to ask a question, you're unsure if you're upsetting someone yeah. or what you should say. And often people don't start a conversation because they're like, oh, I don't want to upset them. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we've had some extraordinary people in and this morning we have Caitlin in. Morning, Caitlin. Morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming in. Now, what would you say sets you apart from other people? Oh, um, that's an interesting question, um, but I think the answer you're looking for is <laughs> is that I'm totally blind, um, have been since birth, so um, yeah, I'm going to be taking your questions this morning. Now, you work at Vision Australia, which is, uh, can you help people understand what Vision Australia do? Yeah, so um, Vision Australia provides lots of different services for people who are blind or have low vision, um, so things like occupational therapy for people who have lost their sight for example we might um, go into their homes and help them figure out how to make the lighting better um, marking up kitchen appliances with some tactile dots and things like that so that they're a bit easier to use Um, we also have library services so accessible books that people can read um, in audio format um, and in braille as well and cane training as well. Yeah, that's right. Orientation um, training. So, yeah, helping people to sort of um, learn new uh, routes around their communities and things like that. Wow. So getting to local shops, getting to school, all that sort of stuff. So Any questions off bound this morning? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy to take it as it comes. Do you, when so. you meet people, um, yeah. do they ask questions much about your about the fact you're blind or do they try to avoid it to for fear of making you uncomfortable? Um, a bit of both. Some people are quite curious, but then, yeah, a lot of other people um, sort of feel a bit uncomfortable or they're maybe not quite sure how much I can see. Um, so, yeah, um, I do find, because I have a dog guide, 
So um, yeah. I find that often people will come up and kind of talk about her and go, oh, I like your dog. And so that's kind of the icebreaker right. yeah. um, for people. Yeah. Devon, who's a black lab, who's sitting very, very obediently under the desk this morning. She's very well behaved. I mean, she, I just almost knocked her and she just didn't flinch. Poorly. She's like, oh, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I, 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 I mean, 13, 10, 60, if you have a question for um, for Caitlin, but I'm, I'm going to ask straight up. Um, Caitlin, yes. why do a lot of blind people wear dark glasses? Uh, that can be for a whole bunch of different reasons. Often people have an eye condition where they can be quite glare sensitive. Um, so they'll be really sensitive to sunlight and things like that. And it's actually quite painful for them. Um, so sometimes people will wear dark glasses because of that. Sometimes it's more of uh, um, if people's eyes look a little bit unusual, they might wear them as well. Um, and sometimes I guess for people it's an identifying Thing. So it lets right. people know maybe that they can't see. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. The phones are open. Uh, Caitlin will take your questions. Anything you've ever wanted to ask someone who is blind? You ready? Natalie. Sure. <laughs> from Browns Plains. You're on with Caitlin. Go go for it. Hey, Natalie. Hi. Hi, Caitlin. Do you mind if I ask, if you've been blind since birth, do you dream and do you have visions in your dream? Oh. Um, that's a really interesting question. Um, yes, I do dream and I tend to know kind of what's happening um, in my dreams, but I'm not sure if I actually see. I probably don't. Um, yep. But, for example, if I was dreaming um, about... I don't know, Natalie walking down the road towards me with a McDonald's bag. For some reason, I would know it's a McDonald's bag that she's oh, got. Right. Right. So, yeah. Um, right. yeah, I guess yeah. if where you can't see your imagination kind of probably fills in the blanks in your um, dreams the way it, it normally would. Really? So, yeah. That's yeah. really fascinating that you can't you can't see the visualisation in your dream, but you just know it's there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's do you think people have attractive voices? Like you hear people's voice and you go, oh. More to the point, do you think I have an attractive voice? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> do you imagine what people would look like, obviously? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't know if I always get the mental picture right. And to be honest, it's probably not the first thing I think about. Mm -hmm. um, usually when I hear someone's voice, I'll tend to think, oh, they sound happy or they sound a bit frazzled and stressed out or... yeah. Um, so it's probably more their mood that I pick up on first. Um, I don't always think a whole heap about what people look like unless yeah. someone sort of does the kind of what do you think I look like question, right. which yeah. is um, always a bit of a favourite. Yeah. Chris right. is in Bean Lee. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, what's your question hey, for Chris. Caitlin? Hey, Caitlin. Do you mind if I ask, uh, how, how does a sick help a blind person know where they're walking? Um, so basically what it does is it gives the person tactile information about the ground in front of them. Um, so you can yep. sort of tell if it's even or uneven. Um, you would use it to find stairs if it's an area you know and there's some, some stairs coming up. Um, you can use it when you're going up and down stairs to know how many there are because you would hold the cane in a certain way um, that would help you to count them. So, yeah, lots of different things like that. Basically, it's sort of because the cane is ahead of where you're walking, it kind of tells you what's coming up. Yeah. And you yeah. said your fiancé, who's also blind, uses the laser now? To does different um, uh, He uses a white cane, um, but yeah, he does also use a thing called a mini guide, which is like a little um, device that can tell you, uh, it gives you, yeah, like sonar information basically about oh, what's right. coming up. Wow. Like uh, your Stephanie. parking sensors on your car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that, yeah. Wow. Stephanie and Chem's side, what's yeah, your right. question this morning? Hi, 
Hi. Um, do you mind if I ask? I have two questions. One, <laughs> what's the etiquette around your guide dog? Because you hear all the time not to pat them because they're working. Yeah. And also, how do you, if you can't see when he goes to the bathroom and you're out, how do you pick it up without stepping in it? <laughs> yeah, that's a, they're both really great questions. Um, so the first one on etiquette, you're quite right. We usually do ask people not to pat them when they're working. Um, and that's so that they just don't get distracted and go looking for attention from people when they should be crossing roads and yeah. doing other yeah. things. Yeah. Um, people often get that bit, but they'll still talk to the dog anyway, and that's right. a bit of a no-no as well. We uh, usually ask people not to talk to them when uh, they're wearing okay. their harness because um, it's the same sort of thing. It's just that it's so that they don't get distracted. Sorry, I just talked I to your dog. I did the same. I'm <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. What about the poo? How do yeah, you the pick question. up the poo? Um, so with that, the dog is trained to go on command. Um, wow. So we basically know sort of when it's going to go. Um, usually they walk, well, because they, you know how they kind of walk around in circles yeah, and sniff a yeah. bit. Um, they walk, put their paw over their bum. <laughs> <laughs> um, their walk will kind of change a bit um, right. when they're about to go. So you can usually tell. Um, and then the other thing you do is sort of touch the dog's back as it's going because that'll tell you their back's in a different position if they're doing right. a wee or they're doing a poo. Um, so that kind of tells you whether there's something that you have to pick up and so, then so, you know um, where it is because yeah. you can feel where the dog's standing. Devin, your lovely dog who's in the studio, uh, he that, that she can go on command. Is there a special word we should avoid saying during this conversation it's to probably, avoid? It's probably not one that you would normally use. Uh, you um, you so say that, Caitlin. What, <laughs> what are you saying? It's not a common um, one. So okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I won't give her the All command right, now. Okay. No, right. don't give her the command. <laughs> Erica is on from Warner. What's your question? Uh, we've got Caitlin in who hey, has been blind since birth. What would you like to ask her? Good morning, Caitlin. Do you mind if I ask, have you ever travelled overseas? And if you have... How do you appreciate it when it's such a visual thing? Um, yeah, I have travelled overseas quite a lot. So I've been to Italy and Germany and Austria and the UK, um, Malaysia. Um, so I guess for me, travel is kind of more of a multi-sensory thing. Um, so I'd like to be able to touch things like even some of the architecture and things like that. Um, if I can kind of have a feel of the outside of buildings, I'll do that to get more of a sense in my head of what they look like. Um, but I guess probably different th things. So I'll tend to probably pick up on smells and things like that a lot more. So street markets and things, I always find that quite a cool experience when I travel because there's lots of different sensory things happening, different sounds, different smells. Um, so it's probably more those kinds of things that you appreciate rather than the visual stuff and there's heaps of that stuff there when you visit new cities it's just that um i guess if you can see you you know your vision is We've often the first it. thing you focus on so yeah. um yeah. whereas for us that's a bit different i would say it's probably a lot more multi-sensory yeah. and we probably find different things um interesting so even just having a walk around the streets and listening to the different language the and country smell different mm. yeah that's yeah, right and different smells and different sounds and um all those kinds of things is probably more what i get out of traveling yeah. all right well our last question this morning comes from kirsty and race for you go ahead you're on with hey, kirsty good morning caitlin how are you good how are you yeah good thank you look do you mind if i ask um in getting into a new relationship i do know you have a fiance yeah um but i mean how do you go about doing that? I mean, obviously you meet someone, but it's a very visual kind of thing when you meet someone. So 
how does that make that different for you? Because obviously you can't see them. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess it's a little bit like what I said before. So I'd probably be more attracted to someone um, based on their voice. Um whether they have kind of nice aftershave or perfume is probably something I would notice. <laughs> yeah, right. um, yeah. I, I guess as those initial things. So they sort of replace the visuals a bit. Um, but for me, I guess it's more about like what we have in common and conversation and things like that. Um, what they look like is kind of a secondary thing. Um, I wouldn't say I don't care, but I possibly don't care as much as someone who could see would about that stuff. What about when you're when you're a kid? I mean, when we were when I was a kid, my parents whipped out the book Where Did I Come From? and that was the first time I saw how, you know, like how when you have no visual reference to how where babies come from, how do your parents even talk to you about that? Um I'm just trying to think. I think at school we had some like tactile models of how stuff like how the anatomy worked and things like that. Um so, you know, you could sort of understand the theory of it. Um, the same as everybody else. So, um, and we probably had book, the same sort of books you would have had, but they would have had tactile diagrams mm. um, in them that we could feel. Yeah, Where do I get these tactile diagrams? <laughs> 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 don't lie, you've got them. Caitlin, uh, you don't need them. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> Lovely uh, to I meet you. Thank you for coming in this morning. Really appreciate no your worries. honesty. Thanks for having me. It's Steph, Abby and Matt with Osha. Hit 105. Forgive me for being so inquisitive. Do you mind? Do you mind? Do you mind if I ask you a personal question? Everyone's different, aren't they? And that's why we love this segment because often we try and be po- so, I guess, PC these days that you don't want to. Um, uh, you don't want to ask questions that you think will offend yes. anyone. You're kind of like, no, I can't go there. But you're like, I want to ask something. But sometimes I think that can be offensive. If someone's different to you, like we had uh, a girl in here yesterday who was blind. Mm. Yeah. If you don't say anything or acknowledge it, is that being ignorant? Mm. Well, kind of. I feel like we're not getting amongst our community because a lot of people we don't talk to because we don't want to offend them. Mm. So we have invited a lot of people. If you feel like you've got a different circumstance, thirteen ten sixty, we're joined by Sherling. Morning. Hello. Hi. You're quite nervous, aren't you now? <laughs> <laughs> it's all very real. Very real. <laughs> now, what would? Uh, why have you come in today? What sets you apart? Well, I saw a Facebook post, like just saying that we're looking for people that would be interested in the segment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I thought, well, I'm asexual, which mm-hmm. is isn't as common um, as common as you might think. It's mm. pretty quite rare. Um, so yeah, um, that's why I'm in, and I thought it could be interesting because I get ridiculous questions. Yeah, right. Because right. yeah. Maddie's very. Com- Confused by this because yeah. asexual can be quite different for each person. Uh, yeah, so the, yeah. I was actually quite worried coming because I was like, oh, it's different from so many different people. I don't want to like represent asexual as a you know as a whole. Uh, whole <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's so different. Any sexual, um, but yeah, so asexual means that someone doesn't have any sexual like urges. They don't necessarily, yeah, not less sex drive because that's just like human instinct. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, but they don't feel sexually attracted to people at like, all, at all, any gender or anything like. Uh. And so you're, just, you're not you're not gay. You're not straight. I'm not bi. No, I don't. I, people are people, and I don't find anything about them physically attractive. Wow. You are a model. Yeah. And I've seen your photos, <laughs> and I would say that they're quite um, like sexy photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can look at them and you can say if people are good looking or sexy. You yeah, just well, don't have any urges. Personally, so as you like modeling and stuff, um, I'm also a photographer. So I come from an arts background. Um, yeah. So I 
generally just see people as very artistic aesthetic mm-hmm. if that yes, makes sense yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. I can look at someone and I can appreciate their aesthetic and yeah. I think wow yeah. they're a good specimen I want to <laughs> you know I want to be around that I could yeah. sit next to them okay. and look at them yeah. but I'm not I don't want to have sex with you like yeah. I don't think I, if you called someone a specimen I'm not sure that they would have <laughs> sex with you <laughs> hey sexy specimen yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. are you really grossed out by it um, so there, like, so as I said, it's different from everyone. Yeah, there sure. are some people that are honestly just repulsed by any sexual act. Okay. Um, me, like, uh, I guess that, I don't know, it depends on the mood I am. I can be like, oh, like, but then I just, I know it's human, it's a human thing. Mm. So like, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be, repu- I'm not repulsed, repulsed by, by it. it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I find it uh, just not unnecessary, but I just, <laughs> I just kind of just like, I don't really, yeah. 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 Okay. So people doing it for fun, you're like, Really? Go play a sport. <laughs> so much more better, safer things to do. <laughs> Come on, you're taking a risk there. Wow, yeah. okay. Well, well 13, 10, mm. 60, if you're listening and you have any questions for a asexual person, 13, 10, 60, you, anyone can ask anything, right? Pretty much, mm. yeah. I mean, just don't be rude. But yeah, yeah. go yeah. ahead. There's no one to say about. Yeah. It's just about getting to, to know someone that might be different than Oh, that. no, of course. It's a very like curious topic. Mm. I yeah. understand well, completely. All right, we've got Gary from Ormo on the phone. Gary, what's your question? Hey, I hope you don't mind if I ask. If you've got no sexual attraction to men or women, mm-hmm. do you have any adult alone time in your personal time? Um, no, I do not. Mm. <laughs> I do not, like, masturbate or anything like that. No. Um, I'd have so much free time on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> there, um, there are, so there are asexuals that do masturbate yeah. just simply yeah. because it is, like, a human, yeah. like, you know, everyone has, a, like, a bit of yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, I mean, it is, yeah, it does, like, a lot of, a lot of them do, and they're just quite happy to do it with themselves, and yeah. that's yeah, right. that. Yeah, right. Do you mind if I ask just one extension of that? As an asexual, have you ever reached a climax? Uh, yes, I okay. have. Just because you know, you kind of, but it takes a long time. <laughs> right? No, that's, I hear you, that's, that's, that's normal, hun. That's, uh, that's normal. So, Sarah in Ipswich, what's your question? Hey, do you mind if I ask you a question, please? Go ahead. Um, yeah. My partner is asexual, and I was wondering if you could give me any advice on how to understand him a bit better. Okay. Well, honestly, communication, like as any relationship is, you just need to ask and talk to them and see, like, how they're feeling about everything and what they're comfortable to do. That just, like, very typical because, you know, they're just a human, just like, you know, any other person. So you just really have to be because everyone's as I said um, as I said at the beginning of this that asexual is different for everyone. Mm. So you know what their needs are is different to mine, and what their view and perspective is is completely different. But yeah, just sit down and talk. You know that's the main thing you can do with someone about. Okay. Asexual. Sarah, did you know Sarah? when you got together with him that he was asexual? No. Oh wow. Did it okay. come out like halfway through a relationship, or did he end up? Like um, so probably about a year into the relationship, oh, wow. I started noticing that he was a bit different to other partners I'd been with. Mm. Yep. And so we've been together eight years now and oh, it's wow. still the same. Right. <laughs> Are you feeling like your need, needs are being met, Sarah? No. Right. Okay, so yeah, right, that's hard, isn't it? Yeah. But obviously in this situation, you're still with him, so you love him for the person he is and that's the main yeah. part of your relationship. Yeah. okay. Yes. 
Interesting. And you've, you've loved people before. Yeah so, I, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I've been in a relationship before and that's actually when I discovered that I was asexual as well. And like it wasn't a long relationship. I've only had like one. Mm. Um, and it was quite difficult because I wasn't like the one to be like, you know, reach over and be like, hey, it was always him. And it was kind of like, oh, what? That's a bit weird that I'm not ever making the move. Yeah. Right, you felt like you just didn't, yeah. you would only do it because he wanted to? Or kind you just... of, yeah. Like, but I mean, like, I, I guess in my head I knew that was part of a relationship. I was like, okay, right. mm. you know. And it's not that I didn't, you know, but yeah, like, it kind of came around and I was like, oh, this is kind of making sense. And then they were like, oh, no, it's because you have sex drive. And I was like, right. oh, and mm. it confused me. You were just saying that you were on Tinder and then took yourself out and just <laughs> went, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. Like, I've I actually met with a few dudes from Tinder. Like, so I joined Tinder. Yeah. Like, just go, and then I realized it's like, I just want a friendship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want friends. Tinder's the wrong <laughs> place for that. Hey, I did meet with guys and they didn't pursue me for sex. So. Oh, they, but that's, they were trying. Wow. So. I saw a unicorn once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow, this <versus> unicorn. <laughs> Billy's in North Lake, so have you got a question, Billy? Um, do you mind if I ask, do you ever want kids? Ah, good question. Um, so growing up I actually never ever wanted kids and like as probably as I've gotten older, so I'm twenty two, past two years, probably thought about mm, yeah, I wouldn't mind a kid and like I mean I'd probably adopt but there are plenty of asexuals that do want kids and yeah. will have sex for the purpose of having, having kids. kids. Because mm. you can meet another asexual guy. Yeah, no, but even there's people that are in relationships with people that aren't asexual. asexual and, they, and yeah. they just, you know, they have sex and they love their partner. And mind you, asexual, there is a lot. It's like an umbrella. There are a yeah. lot of different, you know, there's demisexual. There's so wow. many things mm. that come on Zifa and I can't necessarily justify any of them because yeah, yeah. I, you know, I know. You can only what, speak for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, with kids, I'd probably adopt, but then there's a part of me that's like, hey, it'd be nice when I love someone that is a part of them and a part of me. You know, yeah. You yeah. have that side to you and it's like, oh. <laughs> but then, yeah, I don't know. I guess when the time comes, then yeah, you have to wait and see. And then I'll have to yeah. see. Mm. Yeah. Being asexual, is it the same? Do you have to come out to your parents? In the same in the same way. Or did well, they already know? Like, well, I don't know. My see the thing is my mum's always been like, Oh, that's just Shelley. Do you know what I mean? That's just Shelley. And like yeah. I'll be like, Oh, you know, sister's got boyfriends, millions of them and I'm just like, Yeah. Like and that's just Shelley. But then it's kinda like as I've gone older I'm like thinking of words that describe it's like that's asexual. Mm. That's why yeah, I'm that okay. Way. Yeah. Got to admit, most dads would love their daughter oh, to be yeah. asexual, wouldn't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, th- th- my mum's actually like, she's like, oh, you know, I, it's just a mother's hope to hope that it's not, you know, yeah, because she a, wants kids. Yeah, she yeah, wants me to find kids. love and wants me, and you know, there's yeah. that part of her, I'm sure she's thinking, she just hasn't met the right one. Yeah, it's and a it's, like, <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Shirley, thank you so much for coming yeah, in and um, very interesting. being so honest. It's Steph, Abby, and Matt with Osha. Hit 105. Forgive me for being so inquisitive. Do you mind? Do you mind? Do you mind if I ask you a personal question? Yeah, we do love doing this because it's an opportunity to ask those questions where you think, I don't want to do it, I don't want to offend anyone, but I really want to get to know them. And that's why um, a lot of people have called up and being a part of this segment. And my new Instagram friend I uh, I met online, invited her to come on. You can check her out on Instagram as well, underscore wheelie, underscore living, underscore life, yeah, underscore. Get, the, get those followers There you go, up. there's a lot Plug of underscores for it. <laughs> now, morning, Stacey. Good morning. Now, what would people notice that was a physical difference about you? Um, obviously, I'm in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. so I'm sitting all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I can move my legs a little bit, so people often ask questions about that. Um, 
But yeah, sometimes I stand up and freak people out. Do <laughs> um, <laughs> you stand up and go, it's a miracle? Yeah, or I get a lot of people in the supermarket say, do you need help with that? And mm. I say, no, it's all right, I can stand up. Yeah, so, right. um, yeah, incomplete paraplegia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can walk a little bit, but mm-hmm. most of the time it's more practical getting around in the chair. Mm. Yeah. And what what is your history for why you are in a wheelchair? Um, so I've been in the chair for 10 years mm-hmm. and originally I was diagnosed with transverse myelitis, which is basically just inflammation in the spinal cord mm. and they don't really know how it mm-hmm. came about. Um, so my immune system attacked itself and oh. over about three days I just became paralysed. Wow. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Wow. So it was a bit crazy. Yeah, yeah. it must yeah. scary. Yeah. And yeah. you have children? Yes, two children. Mm-hmm. So any questions anyone wants to ask, yeah. 13, 10, This 60. is the problem with this segment. We have so many questions now, but mm. we, yeah, can't, we can't blow the segment. <laughs> We've just got to find out your story and then let other Otherwise, we can't take the call. Do you find right? people yeah. want to ask you a lot of questions, do they? Or yes. they show, yeah, right, yes. okay. Yeah. Right. Some so, people are really forward and mm. others not so much. And you're okay if people ask kind of forward questions today? Absolutely. Because you, you are married. Your husband's in a chair as well. Yes. I can think of about three questions I want to ask straight away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Well, thirteen ten sixty. Um, do, you know, you do meet people in different situations, and you you act differently. But in this case, you don't need to. Nothing's off limits. Ask away. I, I would love to ask the question, um, Stacey. What's like? Okay, it's a two-parter. Uh, so both you and a husband are in a wheelchair. Yes. What's the best and worst shopping centre to go to in Brisbane in a wheelchair? Um, Carindale was the worst because it was all carpeted. Mm. I used to live down this way and when you push on carpet, you basically just push with one arm because it pulls you in one direction. So the whole length of the shopping centre, you're pushing with one arm and then all the way back, it's the other arm. So it's painful. Um, I live on the coast now, so I would say Rabina is probably the best because it's got everything there and yeah, it's easy to push around and there's heaps of parking. I love how the shopping was more important than the accessibility. Yeah. I thought that was it. Was I thought it was important. Yeah. I was you, had to, um, yeah. you had to get your car modified, didn't you? Or you've yes. got a modified car. Yes. So your yeah. accelerator and all that is on. So we have a push pat system. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically just a pole that you use with your hand and it's attached to the pedal. So right. anyone can drive your car normally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it can you control it with your hand. Now, I was going to ask that because your Ebony, your daughter might start driving. Yes. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's get to your question. 131060. We've got uh, Christy and Ipswich. Uh, you're on the air with Stacey. What's your question? Hi, Stacey. Um, I've got a bit of a hard one for you this morning. Um, both you and hu- your husband are paraplegic, is that right? Yes. Well, he's um, actually quadriplegic. You... Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um, sorry about that. Um, how do you um, deal with intimacy? Um, so, obviously, the advantage for me is that I can use my legs. Um, so... Obviously, uh, so you're asking intimacy or are you asking... I guess intimacy, I think. Yeah, yeah. so just the same way as anybody else. Um, most of the time it's easier for my husband to be on the bed rather than the couch um, or to have a cuddle in the chair is often a little bit awkward. Mm. So we just jump on the bed early at night, watch TV together, cuddle. Um, that's basically our, yeah, our routine. I, oh, can, can I ask, is, like, is, there any, <laughs> whew, is there any nerve damage? Does everything still work? Um there is. There is nerve damage. For me, it's a plus. Um, for him, not so much. Mm. But 
everything still works. It just doesn't necessarily work when you want it to. Yeah, right. I hear See, you, sister. <laughs> <laughs> this, that wasn't a hard art thing for you to answer. Your daughter, Ebony, is out there going, la, 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 She's in the car park. Yeah, yeah she's there. Uh, Michael's on, buddy. What is your question for Stacey? Go ahead. Hey, uh, Stacey, I'd just like to find out how, how easy, or when people ask you to help them, like, do you mind helping them? Is it easy to help them? Is it easy for you? Um, I have no problem with people asking to help, but to be honest, it's much faster for me to just put the chair together myself now. People have no idea, you know, um, how to help, mm. but they they do it to be polite, and that's lovely. I just say, no, I'm right, thank you. Or Yeah, it doesn't yeah. offend you, though. No, no, no okay. not at all. Jill, you're on with Stacey. What is your question? Yeah, hi, Stacey. I hope you don't mind me asking. Um, as a parent myself, I was just wondering, yeah, what challenges do you do you find being a parent? being a paraplegic um well it changes i suppose so when they were younger um obviously if they didn't want to come to me when Mm. they were in trouble they would just run away so i had to improvise (laughs) i remember um ebony being outside one day and she didn't want to come inside so i just locked the door and as soon as i locked the door and she couldn't come inside that was it there was panic and she was running to come inside so um things have changed over the years i guess now it's more just that um particularly my son he's 11 he's all about image at school you know it's kind of embarrassing that mum and Adam are in a chair Mm. Um, so and he's he gets easily embarrassed that kind of thing so I can tell that you know he doesn't really want me to come up to school or whatever but they all know that he'll grow out of that I think once he understands He'll he'll grow out, and of that could also yeah. just be a teenage boy oh, his, standard. Yeah, embarrassed uh, Maddie's by that. kid doesn't want him to come to the high school. Either, <laughs> yeah. He's fifteen. I have to park park two blocks away. <laughs> yeah. I'm the dude on the radio. He's like, that's why <laughs> you're not allowed to drop me at school. Right. <laughs> if you were Kip, oh, you come yeah. on in, do the school assembly. Not you, God. Rose, thirteen ten sixty. You're on with Stacey. Go ahead with your question. Hi, Stacey. Sorry. I'm a 50-year-old and I know, you know, earlier on in my life, my mother always used to say, don't stare, you know, and I just don't know now that we've moved so far forward in life, whether, you know, people still do stare and say things. Oh, absolutely, they yeah. stare. Um, it doesn't bother me. It bothers my children. They yeah, get upset right. they, because they've been taught that staring is rude. Mm. Yeah. But I've tried to explain. It's often when I'm getting my chair, pulling my chair apart and putting it in the car, and I say people are just interested. Mm. They're just yeah. watching you. They want to know, oh, wow, you pull it all apart and you put it in the front seat, and then they're thinking, how does she drive yeah. and that kind of thing. So it's just curiosity. Especially when I think a lot of people have in their head, including myself, where you go, oh, you're paraplegic, but you can still stand you know it's trying to get your head around i guess like i said before like there's not such a set label there's not one set circumstance everyone does have a different story yeah absolutely we're gonna wrap it up with shane who's got a question for you go ahead shane okay guys how you going good good good. mate love the show maddie you're awesome thank you buddy (laughs) first time for first time for everything (laughs) what's your question for, for stacy bud uh, I've got a five-year-old son there. Um, he's getting—he's asking a lot of questions as he does when he's growing up. Uh, I just wanted to find the best way to actually explain to him why a person would be in a wheelchair or have a, a certain, like you know, like safety has. How? What's the best way to go about it? 
Um, often you can ask. Most people don't mind. I know um, a lot of kids will say in a really loud voice as they do, Mummy, why is she in a wheelchair? Mm-hmm. Um, and the parents often get really embarrassed. Like yeah. they don't, you know, we'll talk about it later, you yeah. know. Um, but my husband likes to say because I didn't eat my vegetables Brilliant. when I was younger. <laughs> Love it. Not so game, and I just say, look, you know, I got sick, um, yeah. and my legs don't work as well anymore. So lots of people will say it's either an accident or an injury, um, yeah. or some sort of illness. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. Stacey, thank you so much for coming in this morning. You're a lot welcome. of people called through with a lot of questions. If anyone has any others, um, send them through on the Stab Abby Matt with Osha Facebook page, and we'll pass on to you if you don't don't mind taking those as well. No worries. Stab Abby and Matt huh. with Osha.